Hello and welcome to the Cat Master Chronicles. We have exciting, interesting and powerful stories from cat owners about well-being. I'm your host, Michelle Adams, the founder of Chatty Cats Care, a professional cat sitting company. Join me as I dive deep into conversation with cat owners about their individual journeys. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. This episode is brought to you by Chatty Cats Care, London's professional cat sitting company. Hello and welcome to the Cat Mass Day Chronicles episode 28. This week we are joined by Xenia Praxina. She is a founder of two amazing companies, Xenia Motif, a glamorous event and design planning company working at international weddings and lifestyle shoots, and Ocean Co-Create, a visual art company seeking ways to change the future of the world's oceans for the better. Xenia also has a presence on social media and uses her platform to bring awareness and encourage self-love and believing in your strength and source, as I like to call it. She's also a cool pup mum to a gorgeous Shiba Inua pup, Keiko, who is just as charming, sassy and sweet as her human mum. I'm so excited to hear more about Xenia and her lovely pup Keiko, so without further ado... Thank you so much for joining us today, Zenya. I've already briefly introduced you, but if you could please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself, that would be amazing. Hello, everyone, and hello, Michelle. First of all, thank you so much for having me on your podcast today. I'm very excited to be here with you and chat about (laughs) pets and life. Um, Please excuse any awkwardness on my part because this is bound to happen as that's my very first experience being on a podcast. <laughs> no worries. Uh, so yay, thank you again. Um, so my name is Xenia, I'm 28 years old and I'm originally from Russia. Um, I generally like to describe myself as a professional estet and everyday hedonist. Um, I jungle about a bunch of um, different businesses so including um, Xenia Motif um, and Ocean Co-Create, which you already mentioned, as well as my um, freelance work as a brand consultant. Okay. Um, I've been married to a lovely guy named Alex for the last seven years, and we got our fur baby Keiko about a year and a half ago, and we're obsessed with her, which I'm sure you'll hear. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's me. Wonderful. I love Keiko's name as well. It's so cute. Uh, what's the meaning behind it, by the way? Um, so Keiko is a Japanese name and um, Shiba Inu, uh, which is her breed, is a Japanese breed. So we wanted something authentic to go okay. with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, cute. But- so let's start from the beginning. You are originally from Siberia in Russia. Can you tell us a bit about what it was like growing up? It must have been quite cold. Yes, it was, <laughs> <laughs> which was partly the reason we moved. Um, but it's usually hard for me to pinpoint where I'm from because, frankly, I think I led a nomad life as long as I can remember. Okay. Um, I was born in Russia um, in a region called Altai, which is a mountainous region in southern Siberia, and it's beautiful. Um, but then my family moved to Kazakhstan for a few years um, and then relocated again to Siberia, southern Siberia, though, which 
luckily not as cold as it could have been <laughs> okay um but yeah so we moved there when i was eight to the city called novosibirsk um and it's famous in russia and a little bit around the world for being kind of a scientific center of um, the country oh. um so yeah it's like i said it's a southern part of the region of siberia but that doesn't help much with the climate <laughs> yeah <laughs> because the weather still can be quite brutal um in winter it might have dropped down to minus 45 celsius sometimes wow yeah crazy right um, <laughs> and then you leave the house and your eyebrows and lashes covered with ice oh my gosh up. um yeah and i think fun part is like depending on which region of russia you're in um, at school they have different rules for like when the kids are allowed not to go to school when the temperature goes down so in my city it was minus 30 when it was minus 30 we were allowed to stay at home but mm-hmm. up to minus 30 please <laughs> please attend <laughs> um, my goodness yeah on the other hand summers are quite hot and beautiful actually and it can get to plus 30 so okay Very short though so <laughs> not much fun <laughs> Um, but I think as a child, you learn to find joy in every situation, right? So, like, Absolutely. it was fun to be in the snow, I don't know, sledding in winter or playing snowballs or, you know, all sorts of fun winter activities. It's when you grow up, it starts becoming a problem. So, yeah. <laughs> when I, yeah, when I was at union, I had to commute and it, it really became a nuisance because it's not fun anymore freezing um waiting for your boss and then yeah I think the moment I went to uni started learning languages um I realized I have to do something about it and move <laughs> to yeah. A <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah. so then you moved to Thailand and started your design career um working alongside some of the best wedding planners in the region what was that like yeah, it was fun and very unexpected move, to be honest. Um, so it was unexpected because it wasn't my initiative to move to Thailand in the first place. Okay. Um, it was because Alex, my then boyfriend, he got a job offer from a company that was based in Thailand. Yeah. And they basically gave him two weeks to relocate. And as appealing as it sounded to me at first, like warm, hot, tropical island, you know, paradise bliss. I'm like, I thought, you know what? I have a good job. I have an apartment. I don't know what I'm going to be moving to. So I told Alex, you know what? You go, you settle. Um, I might follow later when you know if you like it, whatnot. He didn't like that idea at all. Um, (laughs) Didn't find anything better than to propose to me the same day <laughs> oh wow um so yeah long story short he proposed we moved um and I started to kind of reinvent myself because I didn't know yeah. what what I could do and as we were planning our wedding at the time and looking for people to help us with that I came across this amazing company which is called the Wedding Bliss Island and I knew right away they were kind of out of our budget, 100%. Um, but I looked at the photos and I thought, oh, so beautiful. You know, something appealed to me in the work. I thought it's so cool to work with kind of people from around the world, help them plan this beautiful day. 
it's kind of hopefully once once in a lifetime experience yeah and so I wrote to them like out of the blue really whether they had a position or like an internship open and for some reason they responded to a crazy Russian girl and decided to <laughs> um, take me in and I started as an intern and stayed for the rest of um, my time in Thailand which was for for about three years amazing and that was really really cool lots of fun memories lots of amazing events planned um beautiful work met amazing people worked with probably greatest talents in the industry like photographers and florists and yeah I'm just really forever grateful for this time of my life because it showed me kind of different way to to go about my professional career (laughs) yeah it sounds like it was meant to be because not everybody gets that kind of opportunity with a company that they're kind of dream company in a way that looks amazing and you never really think that you know you'd get that opportunity but turns out they wanted to give you they must have seen something in you you know they must have liked what you said or whatever your email you know contained (laughs) and decided to give you a chance so amazing opportunity yeah I think so yeah no like I'm said I'm forever grateful and it's um it's amazing. I think oftentimes in life, you know, we stop ourselves from kind of even dreaming about something or doing something about our dreams because we think, oh, that's not possible. But um, I think that's one of the things that showed me a lot of times you just need to ask. Like, 100%. nothing bad's going to happen when you ask. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. I think people fear rejection in a way. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of stops them from sending an email but for me I'm just like do you know what I'm gonna do it what's the worst that can happen somebody says no somebody doesn't reply then you move on or you keep harassing them until you get it <laughs> yes yes I agree with you 100%. I don't condone that though but yeah sometimes you have to though you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> so then is it was that um uh, did you move to Europe straight after that or did you you go somewhere else? Um, um, no, so we stayed in Thailand for three years. Um, yeah. And then at some point, we just felt like we're ready for the next step. And we missed Europe. We missed kind of urban culture more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah. So we started looking for opportunities um, on the other half of the world. <laughs> um, and um, Alex got his job off at first, was in Edinburgh, in Scotland. Um, nice. So that's where we headed initially from Thailand, spent about a year and a half in Edinburgh, which was beautiful, but very yeah. cool. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure you were used to that, no? <laughs> um, I don't know, maybe it was a contrast with Thailand, you know, I thought mm. like, I felt like I was tired of constant summer in Thailand. Yeah. I missed kind of in between seasons. I love, I personally love autumn. So I miss Mm. that. But then after a year in Edinburgh, I realized Edinburgh also has one season pretty much. And it's autumn. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Plus 15 all the time. And yeah. And rains a lot. Um, But beautiful absolutely beautiful it is my favorite cities in the whole world oh me too me too it's beautiful (laughs) I love it I love Scotland yeah so yeah then we just thought oh you know what we need something milder so London here we are (laughs) (laughs) good transition so was that when you decided to kind of start your own company because there's 
so much opportunity in London, but then at the same time, it's so saturated within the kind of wedding industry because I feel like so many people are kind of doing it. Yeah, you're right. Um, well, I started in Edinburgh um, because, um, well, I thought when we when we moved from Thailand, I thought I really love the industry. I love this job. It's really rewarding, um, but it's also quite stressful and you put in so much of your time and energy into it um, that I, at the time, I only thought it's feasible for me to be working for me on my own. Mm-hmm. Like I, I knew that, I always give my all to all the projects that I do. And, you know, if you work for someone at some point, it might feel a bit draining. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you definitely if you give your all. So, yeah, I thought like, why don't I start my own thing? It, I, uh, like some people, when they start their own company, they have this ambition of being, you know, huge and the best. I never had this vision. I really thought, um, I just want to make people happy and, like find clients that have a similar vision to myself. And for that, I don't really need huge projects. I just need something soulful. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, in a way it was a good step for me. Um, And I started back in Edinburgh, done a few projects before we moved to London already. So yeah, it was, it was good, scary, but good. (laughs) Yeah. No, I really respect what you just said, because I feel like I'm the same. That's how I kind of carry my business as well. The fact that I I don't have that expectation that I want to be rich or I want this to be about money. It's not. It's about the passion behind it. And mm-hmm. you said, you know, it's just about getting those few meaningful and soulful kind of clients that make it all worth it. Would you say yeah. that it's like that for you? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm glad we think the same way. It's um, yeah. yeah, I think it's important because that's when your job is rewarding for you. Like if you only yeah. do it for the purpose of growth and money, which which is not to say that we don't need it. Of course, everyone needs kind of that financial fulfillment as well. But yeah, I think it's more important to kind of wake up and realize I do this just because I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah so 100% money is just a tool mm. but the business is what you make it it's the passion that sells so I think people can really see that and you know they can see it in the brand straight away if you the way you kind of word things or how you kind of build it and, and what you kind of want the brand to look like that mm. kind of speaks volumes about what sort of business it is and for me personally I like to support businesses where I know it kind of comes from a genuine place and you get to see the person behind the brand I think that's so important that we can see that you're a real person that you care and that you're kind of um you're making it personal yeah yeah and I think in terms of weddings especially it's such a intimate and personal moments in person's life I think it needs to be that there's like there should be that connection between a planner and a couple or who works for you on that day so absolutely so can you tell us a bit more about Xenia Motive and what services you currently offer sure so um essentially 
Zenimity is, well, I call it a creative studio where, in fact, it's a one-moment show. (laughs) Um, So initially I offered, I focused on weddings, so planning, curation and design services for destination weddings, mostly, Mm because that combined kind of my passion for travel and weddings. Yeah. Um, I then extended the services to lifestyle and travel editorials as well. So I worked both with private clients, so with couples who wanted to create a beautiful, personal and somewhat unconventional sometimes wedding celebrations. Um, nice. And then I also worked with um, hotels and management uh, companies creating kind of wedding editorials that help them draw clients, um, a specific type of clients for their purposes. Um, so yeah, and um, I worked across Europe really I've done some events in Spain in Italy Switzerland France um yeah that's that's probably one of the things that I really really love that it allows me to travel and amazing yeah definitely yeah but then um also last year the events that we're all way too familiar with now (laughs) kind of put an end to uh, travel for a while and events as well are all on hold so I had to reinvent services a little bit again Um, and I now focus on brands so branding creative consultation um, and web design so social media strategy and so on so it's kind of um, different services now for now um, until we're allowed to travel and gather again um, yeah, but it still keeps my creative juices flowing. And Absolutely. Yeah, I've been Absolutely. enjoying it. <laughs> Good. I think there's such a demand for it now because, you know, with the lockdown happening, everything is kind of online now. And also I feel like, I don't know if it was like from 2020 or maybe before, but I feel like there's been like an influx in like influencers and people that want to kind of create personal brands and Mm -hmm. like lifestyle kind of brands and I feel like you know a service like yours would be perfect because you're able to guide people and tell them what they can do and also you know just help them to to find their niche I guess. Yeah you're absolutely right I think the movement towards more like influencers and things like that started way before 2020 it's just that when started noticing it more I guess with lockdown because mm. also everyone went online right so yeah um that was the main content we we saw really um, yeah. Nothing else so yeah I think we just started noticing it more that's true yeah I think it's great really I think it allows people to express themselves in different ways and yeah I'm all for it <laughs> Yeah. And I love what you do with your platform as well, because you're not just posting photos, you're also um, using those photos and using your platform to put across other messages as well, which are um, very motivational. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I try to. I'm a person, so try to put that out. (laughs) Good. What do you love most about what you do? So it could be before or currently. Mm. Oh, so many things really um <laughs> I really love the fact that every day is different in a way because mm-hmm. might be because of so many things different things that I do but also um 
I get to meet like-minded people, very creative people who are, you know, aesthetes like me, who love traveling, who appreciate um, deeper meaning behind things. Um, yeah, I think people is my favorite thing now yeah. that I'm about Yeah. Yeah, that's a nice thing to say. I agree because I think people are are what make the world. They're what make our businesses. They're what make our lives you know sometimes yeah. you think, oh you don't need people you can do it all on your own but you, you're always going to need people at some point whether it's help or support or just someone like-minded to connect with like you've just mentioned yeah absolutely I agree 100% you also founded um, another beautiful small business called Ocean Co-Create. I really, really loved uh, finding out about this business, actually. Um, and if you've listened to some of our mes- uh, episodes on the podcast so far, you might see that there's a theme of me interviewing people who are passionate about the environment and sustainability. Um, it's also a passion um, of mine. It's quite close to my heart. So I got quite excited when I read about Ocean Co-Create. So for the listeners, could you just tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, sure. Um, thank you, first of all, for your kind words. That means a lot because that's Aww. such a project of mine. And um, it's very new. It's still a small baby, but I hope I can grow it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do good. So first of all, I'm really glad that these conversations about environment and sustainability are actually finally gaining momentum around the world. And mm-hmm. I did love hearing about these things on your podcast as well because you know what it might seem like it used to be such a niche theme right you only used to hear about it in I don't know Greenpeace yeah notes or whatever but now I think everyone should be talking about it because it it just it's too close to home now because we depend on nature really and we can't avoid this topic anymore so the idea for Ocean Cochrane was born last year um, as we were stuck at home. Um, essentially, it is a wall art print shop um, offering a curated selection of photographic prints from artists around the world. Um, they all focus on the theme of sea or ocean. Um, as I think a lot of people during our endless lockdowns um, found the need, the urge to make their homes a little cozier and warmer and more beautiful. And I thought art posters are a great way to do it because it's quick. You can put it up the wall and I don't know, you look at it, you smile, it makes you dream, make a day better. Um, and the intent behind it was why don't I make kind of shop that also contributes towards um causes that I'm passionate about and ocean is and safety of the ocean is definitely one of them because that was one of my first dreams since I was a kid I actually I used to dream to become a marine biologist ah okay yeah which didn't happen for numerous reasons by but yeah kind of always stuck with me that I wanted to do some work to help make the future of the ocean better and the current state of the ocean better. Um, and 20% of the sale price from the prints in Ocean Co-Create goes to ocean charities. 
So that was kind of my way of being back to nature. Um, and we're currently working with an amazing organization called Plastic Oceans UK, which you might know through a documentary on Netflix called A Plastic Ocean. Okay. Um, so they were the guys behind the documentary. And it's beautiful, by the way. I recommend it to everyone, whether you know anything about the pollution of the oceans or not. It's just, it's beautifully made. It's quite old now, I think. I don't know, maybe about seven years old or something but it's still very relevant yeah Um, very 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 relevant and makes you think um so yeah that was kind of the initial idea behind the project and I did some research found an amazing printing lab in London that works with eco materials and eco papers but still amazing quality because I did want to create a product that would last that it's going to be kind of an art piece to remind you of the good cause it supports. Um, so it's great materials, but they're very sustainable and eco-minded. And yeah, for me, it just, this project connects my love for nature and oceans and also my love for beauty and aesthetics really. So if I can help make the world a little better through this, I can't miss the opportunity. So I give it a go. Absolutely. I think what you're doing is so beautiful. Honestly, I'm already thinking about (laughs) gifts, like because they would make such great gifts as well. And I always want to to give things that are meaningful. And um, I like to to tell the story behind a gift as well. Like I really like to make things personal. So um, this sounds like a perfect like gift for somebody as well somebody special maybe like a family member or like a really close friend who would appreciate it and at the same time you're helping to support such an amazing cause so yeah yeah, really wonderful um and for me it's quite personal as well my partner actually so he's from Mauritius and I don't know you've probably heard about the the oil spill um in the yeah which was just devastating for um for Mauritius and um its biodiversity so it's just yeah if there's anything that can be done to kind of like support that I'm all for it and I want to really get more people on the podcast such as yourself to who are passionate about this and who 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 are trying to make a difference yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of time with like charity and um, eco-minded causes, people kind of, it stops people from learning more about it and contributing to it because it just seems like such a huge issue that you think, oh, what am I going to do? Like mm. me, little person, what am I, what can I do about this huge problem? But in fact, you can because there's, so many of us right so yeah if each person does even a little something yeah it's already going to make a huge difference so true that's how I look at it as well like you might think yeah you're just a small dot in this huge world but just one little thing could perhaps you know hopefully make a difference and there's so many documentaries like you mentioned as well and I'm definitely going to watch the one that you've recommended um and they they teach us so much so 
yeah there's there's little things that we can do little changes to our daily routines and to our life that we can create to make a sustainable change to help yeah. the ocean yeah. so yeah so what is so you, you know we've spoken a little bit about it but what is like the bigger picture can you share some of your kind of like insight about the crisis that we're currently facing and what kind of changes you think we could make to support the environment and ocean mm. um well you know one of the last things um i read about kind of plastic pollution in ocean state i read somewhere that microplastic has been found in human placenta ah. and that just shocked me because imagine like babies are being born with plastic already in their bodies through wow. their mothers and that is just scary because as I think as human species we're very egoistic by nature and yeah. we tend to turn a blind eye to things that don't directly affect our well-being or our lives and this is the case with climate change and pollution. This was the case with it until recently because we simply didn't see the direct effect of it, right? In our life, we just, yeah, yeah, it was like somewhere. So, so, so what? Ice is melting. So what? But then this is just right in our face already. Like plastic pollution that affects us in a way we can't imagine. Another thing I think I read that an average human being um, who eats fish, eats about a plastic um a credit card worth of plastic a year just through fish consumption wow and it's just crazy right how did we allow this to happen i can't even imagine like considering that plastic has been on the planet for what like half a century a yeah. little bit over it it's and we already managed to put so much of it out there it's just absolutely scary um so scary yeah. And then, you know, things like oil spillage and overfishing and uh, yeah, it's, there's so many things happening that need fixing right now because we can't afford to wait anymore. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So would you recommend that people recycle more? Is there something else they can do as well? Like maybe be more conscious about their f the food that they're buying and how it's packaged yeah there's so many ways I mean the golden rule of reduce reuse recycle is always here and I think we should adhere to it so like if you buy plastic make sure you recycle it or if you can't recycle it see if you can reuse it um, like a container or just try not to buy plastic Mm. first place um like when i go shopping i for fruits and vegetables for instance i mean to just go to my local market and i just bring my bag yeah it doesn't really cost me any trouble but i don't have to buy plastic bags anymore. exactly um then i think the easiest thing to do is just to educate yourself it's so easy now all the materials are out there like documentaries books um, and the more we learn about it, the more impossible it becomes to ignore it. And these changes to your lifestyle just trickle in naturally. You don't even consider an option of, like, I don't know, throwing things away in the street anymore. 
right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So start start small. Don't don't wait for a kind of huge something to happen very close to you to make these little changes to your life. Yeah, it's so true because we might not see it happening directly to us now, but mm-hmm. you never know. Like it's getting closer and closer to a point where it's just ruining our our planet. So sooner enough, people, I think people will start to sadly see, see things for themselves mm-hmm. and will be a, a, like um, directly affected by it. Yeah, I agree. So you see with your Instagram page, is that kind of like, so your deep and meaningful thoughts behind your posts are amazing. And I love that because it it shares more about you as a person, but also you're getting across messages that are important and that people need to see or, or receive. Maybe somebody's having a bad day or maybe somebody is feeling particularly worried or depressed right now and in a dark space, but you share your own kind of um, experiences as well so you've spoken about your mental health for example during the lockdown and I think this is great because I think it's so important that we do share these truths about ourselves because when you're going through this the automatic well not for everyone everyone but some people think they're the only person who are going through you know this type of depression or maybe mental health or like feeling down or the mood that they're facing so I think it's so important that they can see that other people are equally you know going through the same thing as them so do you have any tips for anyone who's trying to survive this current lockdown uh yeah we all do don't we we all try to (laughs) float kind of at the moment um yeah I think it's so important to speak out about mental health openly and normalize all kinds of emotions and all kinds of conversations because yeah critical situations like this only kind of deepen all our feelings and unless we let them out they don't really go anywhere right so yeah we need to speak out. Um, like surviving the lockdown, I think I have two general rules um, and I think they work. So rule number one, be gentle with yourself. Don't punish yourself for not doing enough or not, you know, kind of feeling the thing that you should be feeling because there's no right answer to these things. So if you aren't productive today, that's fine. If you're feeling down, that's fine. If you're feeling like not doing anything and going for a walk instead of working, it's a normal feeling and you don't like you can't feel ashamed for this because it's a it's it's a very unprecedented situation and we weren't really taught how to act in it, right? So mm-hmm. everyone yeah, everyone responds differently. So be gentle. Don't judge yourself too harsh. And rule number two, um, surround yourself with things and do things that make you feel good, whatever that is. So like for me, it means I want to buy fresh flowers for the table. So I look at them and it makes me feel good and brighten the day. Or 
I don't know, a good glass of wine with dinner because that's just delicious and I love food and wine. Or dance in the kitchen when you cook your meal because that just is like a little party. If you can't go out, just make a party at home. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. for me, it's like, yeah, it's um, do the things that you know will make you feel good. Don't, um, don't push yourself into doing something that's not really helpful or beneficial I guess definitely thank you for sharing that I think with some people they kind of look on maybe social media and they see people doing all these amazing things and they think you know I should be doing that I shouldn't be just sitting at home or I should be doing something productive or these people have created a business out of lockdown somebody's created a podcast like I should be doing this but you shouldn't have those expectations on yourself because I think it can be quite damaging to have that. And I think it's all about going with the flow in this lockdown, like doing stuff in flow. So if you decide that you want to do something one day, then do it. If you don't, then don't. But just feel the flow of your own mood and your mind and listen to that because I think it's so important to listen to our bodies and our minds when it comes to decisions and what we're going to do for the day. Yes, I think that's probably one of the perks of lockdown. We kind of started to learn what it means to look inward instead of outward or at least try to and kind of be in tune with ourselves because that's probably the first time ever that we're left just with our emotions and our wants and needs and whatnot. So yeah, time to learn to listen. <laughs> Absolutely. As a fellow foodie, I know that you like to bake at home your photos of food. Honestly, I look at them and I'm like, right, I need to make something delicious tonight because I'm literally so hungry looking at the posts. Your cheesecake looked amazing, by the way. Yes. And it's also a passion of mine. I find that personally, when I cook, it's almost like therapy for me I don't know if it's the same for you but it's like that time when you can kind of just be there and you can put your love into the food as well and I think you can really taste it when you put your love and good energy into food it makes a whole heap of difference so can you tell us a bit more about this passion and hobby for you and is it is it the same yeah I mean you just literally took words out of my mouth (laughs) You actually said it better than I could ever. Um, But yeah, I'm a huge foodie and I love eating and I love cooking. I love eating. That's why I love cooking, probably. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, And um, especially with sweet things, it's such a, I think sweet things is, they just make life brighter in a way that, you know, we eat normal food to kind of sustain ourselves. Yeah. We don't need sets. We just want them. So when you cook a dessert, you immediately kind of treat yourself with a thing that boosts your mood, makes life. And I know sugar is bad for us and whatnot, but it's so good for our mood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I can't resist. Um, um, and yeah, I just, I get bored with eating and cooking the same. So I always look for new flavors, new recipes to try. And it does calm me down and it yeah it just it's kind of a meditation for me I'm in my own zone yeah 
I feel exactly the same. And there's so, and London, you can get practically anything, which is the best, you know, that's why I love living here the most because everything is so kind of accessible. Like there's so much on your mm-hmm. door, especially if you're kind of like central to London, center London. Like there's so many shops and there's so many supermarkets and little independent shops as well. So you can find exactly what you need. So that's what I love. Yeah most about it and then you can cook all of these fancy delicious things absolutely what's your favorite cuisine um I don't really know do you know what I'm a bit like you I I I like change so Mm. I like to change it up and I like I like to explore food like that isn't so I guess promoted like you for example I like Chinese food, but there's so many Chinese restaurants. So I'd like to really like narrow it down and be specific. So Malaysian curry, for example, Mm -hmm. like really specific food. Um, I made like this soup not too long ago that was from the Philippines. So I like to try things that are not really in your face as much as like so many other cuisines that we have access to in London. Things like yeah because you know what I think food is the easiest way to travel as well oh, and yeah. when we're limited with places we can actually go to and now we can't really go anywhere you can travel through food I yes. don't know like cook a, cook a fresh pasta and you're immediately in Italy or cook a curry and suddenly you're in Sri Lanka or Malaysia yes it is. I like that way. I like uh, that little outlook. That's a good uh, good way to <laughs> travel with food. I love that. So when things are open, I know that you love to visit uh, little quaint and beautiful places in London to eat sweet treats. Can you give us any recommendations for some of your favourite places that you like to go to? Yeah. Oh, you're making me choose. I'm so <laughs> It's hard. I'm so <laughs> um but definitely um so a few places okay um for Japanese cakes and Japanese treats I love a cafe called WA Cafe Mm. um they have two branches one is in Covent Garden and one is in Ealing I think okay Um, they have amazing cheesecakes and like matcha cakes good um then there is a little chain, and it's called Leto. Um, I think it has Russian roots okay. because they have the best honey cake in the whole world. Ooh. Absolutely delicious. Um, so that's one of my favorite things as well. And um, I think the guiltiest pleasure I have in London are the ricotta hotcakes in a place called Granger & Co., Okay. There's also a few of them. Um, my favorite is in Notting Hill, and then they have a branch in Chelsea and King's Cross, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. These are the pancakes of dreams. I don't know how they created them. They're little clouds of perfection. So good. Ooh. You have to try them. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And I do love cheesecakes as well, and I love the use of ricotta in desserts because people think of it as like savory like in savory dishes but forget that you can use it in desserts as well you can 
And it's so good. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a healthier ish version of cream cheese. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, makes everything amazing. Yum. I'm looking forward. I'm thinking, oh, they need to open soon so I can get out there. (laughs) But some places now are offering a takeaway service. So that's also very good. Yeah, that helps. Yeah. (laughs) You also love traveling, as we've already mentioned. I'm sure you're usually flying off to many destinations for your work at Xenia Motif. So are there any trips that you hope to go ahead this year hopefully or fingers crossed this year but hopefully maybe next year yeah yeah I mean we don't have everything or anything really planned because okay. I don't know how like how to plan even little things this year yeah. um, but dreams are definitely still here um so last year in January, just before kind of pandemic hit, we were lucky to go to Mexico. And that was my first time in that part of the world. Wow. I absolutely loved it. It's such an amazing place. And I really hope to come back soon. Um, And another place I'm really always kind of ready to go to is Japan, because that's Mm. a country that has so much meaning for me personally and personal history and I just love their uh, everything nature food it's so cool so yes right there Japan is actually like if me and my partner get married that's one that's our honeymoon destination that's our dream honeymoon destination Japan I'd love to explore different parts and just embrace it fully I I love Japan as well um so yeah completely relate to that (laughs) (laughs) let's hope it's all gonna happen soon I know let's hope let's hope um so now moving on to my favorite part of the show which is about pets so can you tell us a bit more (laughs) about your life with pets so far sure so um well now my life with pets is centered around Kiko obviously but um Growing up, I was always surrounded by cats, actually. Um, my oh, okay. grandma had a lot of cats. And I was never allowed a pet when I was a kid. Because um, yeah. my mom used to say, like, oh, it's going to be me to take care of it all the time. Which was probably true. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but still, yeah. Um, so I, I, I always dreamt about a dog. Um, I don't know. Always envisioned myself with a dog. Um, and when we lived in Thailand, partly one of the reasons we moved out of Thailand actually was because we couldn't get a dog there because we knew we weren't going to stay in Thailand forever. And Mm. um, moving a pet out of Thailand is a bit of a nightmare really, um, because they have all kinds of restrictions and stuff. So we couldn't wait to move to Europe and finally get a a dog which happened um almost two years ago now and oh life will never be the same I love it (laughs) so how did you how did your journey start together um so what Keiko is a Japanese Shiba Inu so Japan again um Mm -hmm. my obsession with Japan um continues to to dogs yes (laughs) dogs um 
And I think I first saw this braid, this amazing Instagram account called Hello Hoku. And like, it's basically a Shiba Inu living in San Francisco. And I fell in love with it. That was five years ago now. Um, And they're really funny. And I think most people know Shiba Inus uh, through the really famous meme, uh, doggy meme. Um, So, yeah. Um, yeah, actually, I think I've seen it now you've mentioned it. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. You must have. I mean, it's... Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, when we're out with Keiko on the street now, I mostly hear two things. Oh, it's a doggy. And also, oh, is that a fox? <laughs> 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 um, and then the third time is like, oh, it's a Shiba Inu. And, uh, uh, yeah, regardless of the reaction, everyone loves her outside. Um, which is not always reciprocated because Shibas are a bit like cats, like cat okay. dogs. You know, like a normal dog would jump up on you and lick your face and just greet you with a waggy tail. Shiba Inus are like that only with the people they know because ah, okay. <laughs> they don't know you and you kind of try to, you even pay attention to them. They just think you weird and <laughs> How dare you look at me, you weird human. So funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have a cat dog at home. Yeah, exactly. Quite fitting for this podcast then. Yeah. <laughs> cat dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, absolutely. Yeah. Does Keiko have any um, funny quirks, habits, loves? Oh, so many. She's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> And through um but my favorite things probably um she has this special greeting mode i call it um oh. with airplane ears and so she puts her ears down on the sides and wags her tail which is usually like a crooked but then she can try tries to wag it um yeah. and it looks just hilarious and she always has something in her mouth when she greets us Oh, and I joke that it stops her from from screaming, basically, because she has to <laughs> in her mouth, and then she whines at the same time, and the ears on the side, and it's just hilarious. I oh. think I'm gonna send you a video. Please, <laughs> I need to see this. So funny, yeah, so cute. I know you make some great content with her as well. Uh, you're always exploring different places. Well, you were during uh, yeah. last, well, not last year, the year before. These year, the years are going blank for me. Like my mind is going blank. So apologize. I have lockdown brain at the moment. <laughs> Can you, yeah, I know, right? Can you recommend any dog friendly places? There might be some now actually, um, but probably not open uh, to eat, drink or chill out in London once the lockdown has eased. Yes. Um, I'm going to name, I think, three of my absolute okay. favorites. And they're in completely different parts of the town. So you have a choice. Um, so there's a great um, neighborhood cafe not far from where we live. It's called Milk Beach Cafe. Okay. It's in Queen's Park. It's in a little quiet Muse Street. Um, they have Australian food, amazing coffee, um, really great banana bread. And it's dog friendly. Really good. Um, and then it's probably one of my favorite places in London in general, and it's called 26 Grains. And their second branch is called Stony Street by 26 Grains. Um, so they have one in Covent Garden, uh, which specializes in porridge, surprisingly. But Ooh. it's a really 
kind of fancy version of porridge, porridge. <laughs> really really delicious for breakfast and they're they have a cafe in Borough Market which is my favorite place in London I love Borough Market so much yes. so much good food um around you and this cafe is absolutely delicious and they do breakfast they do lunch and they do dinner that sounds amazing and do you also have any favorite places to walk together in london where's a good walking place that you can recommend oh um probably for me it's kensington gardens and hyde park because mm. it's just so big green right in the middle of the city lots of dogs lots of fun um yeah and it's very central so if you feel like you want to bite you just pop out to a cafe when there's so many of them around um and you get something for a takeaway and you come back and it's always a great fun uh, regardless of the season or weather i just really love this area oh and is keiko okay with other dogs um yes well not on the leash because again she was a weird but (laughs) off the leash um yeah she's actually really good and it's always fun to see her run around with her friends so cute (laughs) she's adorable lastly if our listeners want to find out a bit more about you your accounts online your wonderful companies where can they find you um, so I'm mainly on Instagram, which um, is my guilty pleasure. Um, you can find me at Sushi Ksyusha, which is S-U-S-H-I-K-S-Y-U-S-H-A. And that's my main account. Um, and I'm also with my businesses at Xenia Motive and at Ocean Co-Create, where you can explore more about those initiatives. Perfect. Well, I've absolutely loved speaking with you and I can't wait to see the videos and photos that you're going to send to me. Um, And yeah, thank you. It was such an honour speaking to you. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for having me and I really enjoyed our conversation. You're welcome. Goodbye. Bye.